Well, I uh, I got up at 2 a.m. this morning. Let me explain why. Now, I got up at 2 a.m. to talk to some people in Matt Ray's part of the world. Now, first question, first rat hole. Matt Ray, Singapore, Australia. How far? What's the deal? Is this the same time zone? Is this like a Chicago, Austin thing? Or like, should I think about this as the same thing? Or like, how do yeah. I how do I think about Singapore and Australia? Uh, it, it's, it's two hour time zone difference, sometimes three. So we got, we got a, we got a East coast central to Pacific yeah. thing. Okay. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right. And yeah. And, and Singapore is absolutely the worst for the U S. Mm. Yeah, this is true. So I got up at 2am because we had a, um, you know, I do some of these executive dinner executive whatever's things uh i think we covered this maybe in one of our exegesis podcasts where you get together um several uh target accounts prospects often they're called things like you know need to win important whatever um and uh you get together normally in uh the normal course of things you have a nice dinner hopefully a steak maybe some fancy fish do you have a zoom dinner well, we didn't have a Zoom dinner, although I heard one of the tactics that uh, back in the States someone used um, is, and this is, I think, quite brilliant, is they they had some wine shipped to each participant, and then they had a Zoom-driven wine tasting as as the event, which I think, you know, I think Johnny Legion would show up to as many of those as you wanted to invite <laughs> them to. I think, I think All right. Anybody want to send me some wine? Uh, I'm perfectly willing to sign for it. Zoom will be on. I might not turn the camera on. That's yeah, all I got you, to say. <laughs> you want to tell me about how awesome you are at Kubernetes software development or even disaster recovery? I'm down. I really would like to know about your enterprise storage management. No problem. I'm. I'm. Uh, I'd love to hear it. That's what's funny is is I've got the same first name as like half of. You know, I, as the lead of marketing and the comptroller for the company, mm. so I get a lot of targeted emails and spear phishing for those guys, um, where you know they're trying to get you know, hey, we want to talk to the people who make the you know decisions on payroll. Would you like you know to come see uh, the next Seahawks game in our booth? Oh, <laughs> or you know the the Sounders game. You know they're always targeting you know the Seattle stuff. Or you know yeah, yeah, hey yeah. we're having a, a very exclusive dinner and you know for just you know CTOs in in your area. And I'm like yeah sure. <laughs> yeah 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 yeah. You got a lot of ADP people hustling you up to uh, oh, handle man. cutting checks. They yeah yeah. So so uh, I got it for this, and it was a mix of as they say A and Z and uh, Singapore and some uh, Indian people, and it was great. I mean, just to be just to be clear, it was a very uh, highly interactive audience. It was fun. I got to finally do something with uh, James Waters. I haven't done a thing like this with him. It was enjoyable, but I did get up at two a.m. Now let me explain my strategy. <laughs> I, I uh, it's it's it falls under that category of one of my my favorite phrases, which is like you need you know I need a cup of coffee so that I can make a cup of coffee, right? Like. So you got to wake up at 2 a.m. to kind of like get your mind going, like, you know, drink down a pot of coffee or so. And, uh, you know, which I've decided that basically I think at this point my body is being held together by like a tightly compressed spring of pots of coffee. I think that's basically all that's inside of me uh, nowadays. But it was it was, I think, one of my first experiences of uh, time zone What's the opposite of arbitrage? Because arbitrage is when you find flaws <laughs> in the well. system that you profit <laughs> from. Like there must be some like anti-arbitrage. It was my first example of time zone anti-arbitrage. And I have to say it was less worse than I thought it would be. It was sort of fine. And I think it helps that now I'm in this cave that has no windows or lights. So like the longer that I'm in here after about 10 minutes of being in here, I have no idea what's going on in the outside world. I actually don't know what time it is. I don't know what's happening. And uh, I just sort of am, am in the, the flow of life. Um, so I would, I would call it, Kote, the time zone tax, right? And it's like a different, mm, you basically mm, got to pay the tax yeah. you know, if you want to live in certain areas and you know maybe away from like where everybody, um, in this case, your clients, or your customers were. So my, my real question is here. So do you, when you get up at 2 a.m., are you counting that as the end of the workday ah. or is that the beginning of the next workday? Now, this is something I would like to hear Matt Ray's reaction to because he is in that part of the world where mm. where today is tomorrow. 
oftentimes. Yes. And welcome to the future. But I would say, um, yes. So I am very, you know, my, I think I mentioned this, but my therapist once told me that I am probably very interested in truth. And by truth, he meant just like the actual state of affairs. And the following is an example of that. So I know that midnight, 1159 is the last minute of the current day. And once you hit midnight, it is now a new day, right? So I would say that 2 a.m. is not the current night. It is actually early morning. And as proof that this is how I think, I was explaining to my son Cormac that I have to uh, do this thing at 2 a.m. And I was like, well, it's actually early morning, but you know, it's late at night. And he was like, oh, daddy, you know, it's late at night. But like, I was very specific that it is actually early morning. And so that's like in my head, it's it's a new day that has uh, has begun. But Matt Ray, how do you sort out this problem, this thing in your head? (laughs) Well, so I think about the first or second week I moved to Australia, uh, somebody scheduled me a call with the UK and oh boy. Uh, it was it was like 2 a.m. my time and and I dutifully stood up you know stayed up yeah I think I stayed up for that one and that was the last call with Europe I took yeah yeah <laughs> so That's here we are bad. like four years later I'm like no I just don't do you know uh I don't do stuff outside of my sleep schedule yeah and so, uh, yeah so yeah. so this so, is this is this is the question I wanted to ask you too is what this brings up is, I don't know how to describe it because it's not priorities. Let, let me generalize it. It is figuring out what you are professionally comfortable with saying no to, right? And there are two instances of this. You just identified it. Uh, one of The first instance, Matt, which is, um, I sleep at that time. So even if there are multiple millions of dollars at stake. Uh, I'm going to sleep, right? Like, and so, yeah. so that is, I, I sort of, well, I don't know. That's a difficult case, but, but the other case is more nuanced, which I encountered recently, which is this thing you're asking me to do is something that I have content for, right? Like I could talk about it, but the way in which you want to use me is not the best use of my skills, right? Like, yeah. like, like, for example, um, I am better at going to a room full of people and just having a free flowing discussion. What I would call not literally, sometimes literally, but metaphorically, the whiteboard meeting, right? Like I, I'm best when I go in with no slides, right? And so if you want me to go in with slides, like, that's not really where I do my best. And therefore, it is not the best use of my time. And therefore, the answer is no, right? And so those are kind of two instances. But the, these kind of these things ha- have made me realize that like, I don't really say no to people, right? Like, I'll say no, if I don't know what I'm talking about. Like, if someone were to say, like, would you come talk to these people about disaster recovery? I would be like, yes. However, you should know. I know nothing about that topic, right? <laughs> yeah. And, and, yeah. Well, and so like one of the things that I admire in other people is that they'll say no. And I don't know, no pun intended, how to like calibrate on that. You know what I mean? Like, I feel like I, th- I think a sense that I realized I get from my dad is that like, if you give me money, I will do what you want. Right. Like, like as, as I'm fond of saying to people, I get paid either way. So whatever the outcome is, I don't fucking care. I get a paycheck twice a month. Let's do it, right? But yeah. I th- I think I think for my work-life balance and ongoing mental stability, I need to learn how to say, mm, that's not a good fit for me. Keep sending well, paychecks." <laughs> that's that's kind of the key is my job responsibilities don't generally have me dealing with the UK and uh Europe too much. Mm. Um, and, and so, you know, when, when I do have meeting invitations to meet with them, I'm like, Hey, can we hit you up early in your morning? Uh, so, you know, so I, you know, usually if you tell someone why their proposal of having you wake up at 2am is ridiculous, you know, you don't even have to call it ridiculous. Just say like, that's kind of an inconvenient time for me because I'm in Australia and that would be, 2 yeah, 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 like, yeah. they're like, Oh, they didn't even bother. I mean, 
there there was no malicious intent there. They weren't like, you know what, I'm going to stick it to Kote. 3 a.m. is his sweet yeah, sleep. Yeah, yeah, time. yeah, yeah. And 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 to interrupt <laughs> so, so, so you, let, they, yeah. Let let me be clear, not just in an obligatory way, but being genuine. In this instance, I think it is totally in my remit, and I'm fine with it to like yeah. do something like that, right? Because normally, what would happen is I would travel there. And uh, I, I would do a tour of like, you know, APJ that would last like a week, week and a half, whatever. Yeah. The, 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 the role that I'm in, I think it is uh, totally fine that the expectation is that I can have a global focus and like do stuff, whatever. Right. And and so, you know, more generally, however, things do come up where it's just like, eh, I'm not a right fit for that. And, and it's made me realize that like I have no calibration for uh just kind of like saying no with no reservations <laughs> which you know well, i think yeah. the best way though the the best way is not so much to say no it's to to say that so and so would be a better fit so i guess if you get a lot uh, yes. of requests like that's what i especially if you're new to an organization there's this learning curve well you just won't know who those people are so there'll always be this moment of you feel like you should do these things especially if maybe they fall within your broad set of responsibilities or your broad domain. But then I find when you work somewhere long enough and you sort of get the the lay of the land, if you can start yeah, to ha- dial yeah. up the Rolodex of like, oh, the disaster recovery person that you want to talk to is so-and-so or the person that does a, a great live coding demo is so-and-so. And that way, because really that's what people are yeah. looking for. They, they always want the person that is usually best equipped for something anyway. So if you can recommend that, it's you know ideal on both sides. Yeah, you know, this brings up a related topic that that I'm just going to mention and then cut off so we can get to other stuff, which is another another skill that that I often lack because despite appearances, I don't actually like talking to people is is like telling people that what they're asking you to do is incorrect. <laughs> right to your, to your live coding example, right? Like like there there's a certain mode of operating uh that I find extremely annoying when people do to me, uh, which is like I'm asking them for help and then their first question is, "Well, let's back up a little bit." And anytime someone says, "Let's back up," like I'm just like, "I'm fucking out." Like not interested. <laughs> this conversation is over. Right? Like like I, I'm, I'm, I'm a goddamn, I don't know how old I am, 42, 43 year old. Like, I know exactly where this fucking car needs to be parked. I don't need to back up, go forward. I got it. Right. And, and it's, oh. and like, let's back up. And can you tell me what you're trying to accomplish here? And, and just like, oh my fucking God. Like that kind of conversation. I have those terrible. Every day. And, and however, I have those every day. <laughs> however, because of my disdain for being on the receiving end of that, like, I never ask that question myself, right? Because I figure, like, if I hate something following, uh, you know, the big JC's thing, the golden rule, is that, is that from, is that from, uh, you know, the New Testament or is that an Old Testament thing? I forget. Uh, it was either Ben Franklin or Shakespeare, right? Yeah. I mean, I feel like the, the golden rule, not the style of the Old Testament. Like, that, that's, <laughs> but anyways, like, spoiler you know, alert. <laughs> <laughs> if 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 I if I don't like something being done to me, I'm not going to do it to other people. However, I think that's another skill in this making sure you don't go fucking insane in your life is that you ask people what their goals are because they're asking yes. an inappropriate thing. So speaking of what someone's goals are, there has been news that Amazon is licensing using Slack for all of its employees, which which adds an interesting wrinkle. And I think that some of our more seasoned listeners and definitely ourselves are the following will be no surprise because we're like, holy shit. I'm sure they spun up the partner or alliances people. I don't know what they call them at Amazon. Let's say alliances because that's partner implies equals. Yes. Yes. Alliances. (laughs) I think alliances is one of those terms like comms versus PR versus influencer relations where I, I love alliances. That's great. But one of their one of their biz dev people or multiple were probably spun up and their product people because now there's going to be some integration, as I understand it, of Amazon's uh, video conferencing thing into Slack, which I think that in itself is is that's fun. Right. That's a good example of how these kind of deals go down. But it also like fills in a gap that I think we have mentioned many times. One of these highly speculative things, which I think is. In kind of like a Ben Thompson kind of figuring out 
the uh, the red ocean versus the blue ocean versus the ocean of insult to your channel conflict. It is a grand mystery of the world why there is not video conferencing built into Slack, right? Like, I think Slack and Zoom would be a natural combination of like, uh, and and it really is like like because if there's two things that everyone uses, if there's three things, it's email, video conferencing, and like Slack nowadays. And so I don't know, like, do you think, does this mean that uh, Amazon video conferencing stuff is going to uh, become a primary thing in Slack? What's What What do y'all think is going to happen here? Well, I mean, Slack, Slack bought uh, Screen Hero in 2015. And did, did they do anything with that? No, I mean, they, it was, it was integrated into the product uh-huh. and I had probably like two Slack calls, you know, video calls using it. And then the rest of the time it was always just like back to zoom mm. and, mm. you know, they t- removed that functionality. Uh, the screen hero founder left and he started another video, uh, another video screen sharing startup, uh, you know, but I mean, yeah, Zoom probably would have been a, a a better battlefield fit. I'm sure Amazon came with uh, you know some enticements to encourage adoption. Um, this might be the only way I get to use Chime. I don't know. Well, <laughs> I, Chime. I, I was gonna say yeah, I've actually used uh, I've used Chime quite a bit. Like so, whenever I meet with the AWC, I always use Chime. I think it's fine. It's just. Just your solid service, but, I you know. Yeah, it, it, when you say fine, there, there's there's so many fines out there. Like, but I guess this when I when I put them. Uh, hold on, we haven't gotten to the teams <laughs> discussion. We we'll get to the, everything goes back to teams. Like at this point, this may be controversial, but I'm going to say it anyway. If you send me a link to Zoom, Chime, I was even on a WebEx today. I know people don't like that one. To me, I, I was I was um, in Skype for that, business, so we got we got we win bingo. And you know what? I'm on. We'll get to Microsoft. Say even Skype for business. All of those, I'm fine. I mean, I know there are some pros and cons. I don't. And Google Meet, I use Google Meet. I am fine. And now, Matt Ray, I'm going to give you the floor in a minute to talk about the Google Meet bug. So just hold your fire on that. So, but all of those video conferencing uh, services, to me, I have no problem using. They're mm. very similar. Yeah, the yeah. UIs are slightly different, but they're they're fine. So. What and then there was actually a good uh, podcast interview by our friend uh, uh, chiming in on Slack. Uh, it's from the friend, our friends at Last Week in AWS. That's uh, what uh, what Corey Quinn um, doing, and, and he actually asked goes through and asks it. So they kind of get into the a little bit of the weeds, but it's interesting that Slack is going to use the underlying Chime technology, and they kind of get into some of the compl- complexities at AWS or some of the features rather that they offer about like optimizing like which uh region and how to get better um you know infrastructure and video calls so that part would be interesting so clearly if slack's going to build video conferencing using aws that seems like it would be pretty robust and to Corey's credit he really does challenge the amazon vp about uh the ui so if you're interested about ui of chime i think he says it's lacking in some ways that's his words um but so so to me i look at it like yeah this makes this would be makes good sense. Like if if Zoom and, and to me the best move would be Zoom with such a highly valued uh, stock should buy Slack. I think those two together would be a very sure, formidable sure. competition. And, but and, then, and that, then uh and then James Governor could write the reverse acquisition uh piece, which would be exciting. I always love the Yes, uh, I love that, that would be good. But in lieu and then obviously this is just a partnership, but you know, if you're Slack, right? Like, why not go ahead and pair up with AWS and, like, you know, if you will, pave the way to a, a future acquisition or some other kind of tighter partnership. And, um, and I do think, you know, Chime is, you know, I, I don't have any issues. I think the core functionality is there. I don't know if it'll ever be as popular as Zoom. I mean, we can probably debate all day, like, why did Zoom get so popular? But at the same time, like, you could see those two coming together, and you know, and they are. Like Slack is, I think, something people want to use. I think AWS is something people will use. And then we get to the Microsoft Teams, which is hard. When you're in a hardcore video conferencing and you're trying to also do the collaboration, that is probably the one that is most difficult. With that said, now, Ray, if you have some strong <laughs> feelings about the Google Meet uh, link in the uh, Google Calendar. So I, I, I think I'll, 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 say, I'll let you discuss that. It's it, it's 6.30 a.m. and you're trying to get me riled up. Um, <laughs> it hit me again. Those so so anytime, not anytime. If you apparently if you're using Google accounts in a not Google for Business setting, 
they start injecting their Google invit, uh, meeting invitations into your stuff. And I, I have some, you know, recurring mm. Zoom meetings that, you know, I open the calendar invite, click on the button, and I'm in a Google in a meeting by myself and nobody else is there. And I'm like, where is everybody, guys? And, you know, and then I get a text. Hey, where are you? It's like, God, whoever thought that was a good idea at Google, please quit. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, you know, we have but there was. In the same area, I don't know if you saw. I just put the link there out there for everyone to look at in the show notes. Like Google Meet just introduced this feature around uh, better audio. It will automatically filter out background yeah. noise. And I, I watched that was actually. I mean, it was a video, so I mean, it wasn't on the call, but he did the. Yeah. You know, he kind of switched it on and off, and I was like, now that is legitimately a new feature. I have not seen. I guess noise canceling. <laughs> Uh, yeah. That I could turn off and on on any of uh, the conferencing services, and I do listen. Uh, I hope I'm not usually the person with the dog, but I am on many calls where I'm like, "Yeah, some uh, noise canceling would be fantastic, right here." Yeah, yeah. You, you know, this brings up this. This makes me think of like there, there. There's this um, foil to disruption theory theory that we hit upon every now and then, and and I never think about it very clearly, but but this is maybe an interesting example of it's not Google is not going to disrupt zoom like that does not meet the de the definition of like big D no. disruption, but it's something in the area of like sleeping giant rolls over and crushes competition. Right. In the yeah, sense that that's... like, in the sense that like, you know, Google doesn't give a fuck about like meetings and then like all of a sudden, like you got the, you got the, the, as, as, as one of my teammates says, COVID, you know, cause she's from the Northeast, you got the COVID and, uh, like, you know, like all of a sudden Google's like, Oh, it's cool. Like we're going to take those people from the reader team and like move them over to, uh, work on meetup. <laughs> and like, I don't know, we looked around the couch and we got some awesome noise canceling shit. Cause we got this huge corpus of stuff that we can use. And so we're going to introduce this feature and like, you know, we don't really give a fuck. Uh, and then we're totally just going to crush Zoom because like yeah. we, we have better features. And, and like it's almost there probably is a name for this kind of like strategy. I mean, it might be called what? the Google strategy, but it, it, it's, it's, it's the not Microsoft deliberate. Strategy. Yeah. yeah. Well, no, I mean, yeah, yeah, Microsoft but... probably has more intent. Right. So exactly. So and, and, I, and I think that's the key is like unintentionally you destroy competition. Right. And just sort of like and and maybe there's something to it in the sense of. I mean, the video conferencing market, as we often joke, is like the APM market. It's just like there is a very well, it, predictable it, it cycle. Like this, you know, the, the Gartner, uh, the, the magic quadrant is just a big clump. Right. And they're all kind of right, together. Right, right, right. And, and they're like, oh, you know, Google introduced this, you know, noise canceling thing that NVIDIA demoed like six months ago. And now it's like it showed up in one. Yeah, yeah. Mark, mark, mark the calendars, and and you know, in, in four months it'll be in it'll be in Teams, it'll be in Zoom, it'll be in Google. You know. Yeah, yeah. Fe they, features are it, easy. It won't show up to... in blue jeans or Cisco, but whatever. <laughs> blue jeans. Um, Good lord. We were sponsored this week by StrongDM. Managing your remote team as they work from home, managing a gazillion SSH keys, database passwords, and Kubernetes certs. Meet StrongDM. Manage and audit access to servers, databases, and Kubernetes clusters, no matter where your employees are. With StrongDM, easily extend your identity provider to manage infrastructure access, automate onboarding, offboarding, and moving people within roles, grant temporary access that automatically expires to on-call teams. Admins get full auditability into anything anyone does. When they connect, what queries they run, what commands are typed, it's full visibility into everything. For SSH, RDP, and Kubernetes, that means video replays. For databases, it's a single unified query log across all database management systems. StrongDM is used by companies like Hearst, Peloton, Betterment, Greenhouse, and SoFi to manage access. It's more control and less hassle. StrongDM, manage and audit remote access to infrastructure. Start your free 14-day trial at strongdm.com slash SCT. Again, that's strongdm.com slash SCT. And we thank StrongDM for sponsoring our show. <laughs> but 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 the I think I think the APM um uh 
web conferencing cycle, which which we've covered, but just to cover it is that pretty much the same thing is done every five to 10 years. And the reason that a new thing comes along is because the business dynamics, is that is that a phrase, business dynamics? How you make money in, in these kind of cycles is, um, let's say there's the first mover. They make a great APM tool and it's awesome. And you dump a ton of money into it. And then you got a great APM tool and then some large, com- you've got a huge valuation because it's a good technology. They've got some good cash flow. Their growth is crazy. Uh, and then some big existing vendor buys that APM thing and they basically extract cash from it. So they slow down and then kill off innovation on that. And what that means is that the forward progress of an APM tool stops and some other people come along and it's not really disruption theory, but they just start innovating again because they get an influx of cash because the people who are investing in them realize the the multiple that happened to the previous thing. And then the cycle repeats itself. So that APM yeah. tool grows and then it gets acquired by someone and then they stop innovating because they start reaping cash from it and on and on and on. And it seems like web conferencing follows that same thing. Right. And so, it's 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 a weird aberration that you have the sleeping giant effect where the goal is not to make money by driving up by introducing new features and driving up a valuation and then cashing out and handing it off to a company that like just reaps cash and doesn't innovate in it. There's no goal. It's just like, oh, we have that. And uh, I'm going to do my, uh, what do they call it? Dark launch. Like, I'm going to change that YAML file. So now we add that feature to it. And I kill that market just because, like, I needed to do something well, before my sushi lunch. Right? Like, it... <laughs> But that, that's that's the world we're in. And, and it's probably going to get more like that going forward. Like, I think in the current economic climate there's going to be fewer startups i mean we were mm. already seeing kind of a, a de-emphasis on startups because of cloud tech um you know anything anytime you had like some innovative idea in your little hot startup amazon's like all right we got it and you know two months later they'd knock it out and yeah yeah, yeah yeah that, that, and, that's, and that's we'd good. already entered that market right and now we're in this market where well you know, we're in a recession turning into a depression. You've got all these startups that, you know, are going belly up and, you know, there's not a market for new startups. You know, yeah, yeah. there's not, this is not the time to be starting a, a business. And so, you know, we're going to enter kind of this trough of, you know, the, mon- you know, they're not monopolies, but, you know, these cloud monopolies or whatever are, they're real in- inhibitors to, to new ideas. Just yeah, because, yeah. I don't know. Do you feel like in messaging back- though? Is in the world of, or I guess, video conferencing. I actually feel like, in this case, as the consumer, just as a consumer, like we're actually winning pretty, pretty well here because well, yeah, they're all yeah, available that's... for free. Zoom, ah. as I said before, Zoom, Zoom is good. I think Google Meet is good. I think Amazon Chime is well, that, good. That's the, that's um, the classic, uh, the classic uh, you know, um, oh God, who, who was the economist um, under Reagan who who you know changed how we thought about monopolies? Where he's like, if if the the benefit to the consumer is lower prices, there's no reason to block a merger. And so now, Wait, when we're in this, the, okay, but hold when, on, when but I would say there's you are the product. No, no, but I would just say in these in just this world of video conferencing, just this world, it's like we have at least four solid alternatives and people competing. Right, right, right. right. I mean, but if, if 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 I'm Zoom, uh, <laughs> probably look to sell because. Because you know, I would agree. Zoom only, needs to do you can something. only innovate for so long until you know you're you're the Docker or Mesosphere, and the cloud eats you alive. Yeah. No, yeah. I agree. Listen, if I'm in the Zoom board reading, if I'm if I'm sitting there and I'm advising them as investment bank, it's like you either have to take that stock, which is so highly valued, and go buy some strategic assets that give you significant advantages. And I would say Slack. I'd be that's would be my first yeah, thing. Yeah, I would yeah. say. But if you choose, and that would be and say. Hey, we're going to dominate this combined video conferencing messaging market, right? Um, or to your point, you have to say at some point this valuation is going to come down a little bit, and we are going to be an attractive acquisition target. Or maybe one of these other companies is already thinking about it, and we need to really think seriously about you know taking the money off the table. Um, so I agree with you on that. But I think 
at least at this very moment, I would say in this one, I'm because I know what you're saying more broadly. I understand. I think your comments more broadly um, are 100 percent accurate. But right here, I feel like video conferencing is in a good, healthy state with lots of good competitors. And for you now. have lots of for options. now. For yeah, now. Yeah, yeah, for yeah. now. For now. Yeah. But 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 I mean, they're they're being pursued by Microsoft and Google who have no they're not competing one to one. Right. Google sits on a money fountain. Microsoft sits on office. Right. Right. Neither one of those compete with Zoom, but they're both willing to throw, you know, semi unlimited resources competing with you with something they give away for free. Yeah. You know, as I mentioned, I think last episode, if uh, if the Microsoft people could just make it so that every time I hit E or Y, my message gets my email gets archived. I think that would be a vast improvement. I think I, I think that would add a lot of uh, a bit uh, or a bit or whatever. And uh, my only other ask is that I need a setting that when I send an email, it archives the thread that I'm responding to. That is, uh, I think that is a, a key aspect of, uh, of of email checking. Now, now speaking of finding the right time to exit, it looks like there's rumors that someone's going to buy Cloudera, and uh, you know, whatever. Like, like that, that's the way these things go. And as always, you know, when it comes to enterprise infrastructure, IBM is always uh, a favorite to buy things, especially for something like that. But the thing I wanted to ask you too, is like the, all these years later, as I've said many times, uh, this is a parenthetical or, or, or a, uh, what do you call it when you stick an M dash in, uh, but like, you know, I, I spent a summer writing up a, uh, uh, a big data sort of like analysis and kind of like strategy suggestions. So I remember I studied this quite a bit, but uh, so what happened to big data? Wasn't that going to be like a big <laughs> deal? Like data is oil and things like that. And now, and now like when it comes to, am I conflating big data and Hadoop? Did big data become IOT? Was it just like, like some nonsense or just, like what's going on there by the cloud? It's, you know, when, when, when you have a new big data project, most enterprises' first impulse is not, you know, oh, should I call Cloudera? It's back to which cloud is going to be the best fit. Ah, uh, yes. The, the right? Cloud. And so people are like, well, I'm going to go to Google because they, they're good at the big data. You know, the, even though there's, you know, Cloudera over there wishing you would come to them. And, 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 and you know, your options are, well, I can pay, you know, Cloudera or I think MapR is still around, or maybe they got by HPE or something. But you know, I could pay one of them to be on a public cloud and pay even more for the same source. Um, that's kind of the the problem is you know they they got they got cornered by by the cloud vendors, and for yeah. whatever reason, yeah. you know, they they don't have enough uh, value add or you know whatever. I mean, you know, uh, it's. It, they got run over by the cloud again. Now, 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 <laughs> now, another possibility, which I have no data, so to speak, to back up, is did it turn out? And 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 again, I have no position here, but it's something that I always wonder: is did it turn out that all those dreams of how you would get great insights because of all this data were just like bullshit? That like no one is actually <laughs> getting any insights off of this data. Like it doesn't like it doesn't affect anything. And 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 I have. I have maybe three sort of like uh, thought tunnels on this one, like, sure, we would love it that when someone buys something, we recommend other stuff that they should buy. That's fine. That's like 2003. Not a big deal. Right. But but that kind of inference that like, here is another way I could get cash out of someone who just gave me money. Like, that's cool. And then two, uh, you have like, you know advertising like that was a big beneficiary of advertising like i think it was one of the cloudera co-founders who was like you know use that old ginsburg thing it was like the best minds of my generation are figuring out how to like sell ads to people right so clearly uh because of your facebook's and and to a limited extent twitter and other things like and and russians and whatnot like you know learning how to harness big data to sort of like manipulate the the ideas that people have to control their behavior, whether that's buying stuff or, or whatnot, like that was a benefit of uh, advanced analytics and big data. But then sort of like, like three, like, have we ever like gained any new insights about how we run our business because of big data stuff? Like, I, I don't know 
if I've ever really come across stories of like beyond using like the Monte Carlo add in for Excel and <laughs> and adding a bunch of RAM to this like laptop, like I don't know, like are people maybe in Wall Street where you're doing all that like financial bullshit where you're just trying to like, you know, beat numbers like that's something. But I think that probably reduces down to like C code and SSD drives and like, you know, fast internet connections versus like any sort of like analysis. Like, so it seems like, I don't know, it doesn't seem like we've achieved some sort of like big data enrichment of the human race that we were promised. (laughs) You're, you're, you're probably right. Right. So I probably the, 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 the cell of, of, big data was like, you know, oh, this is going to revolutionize everything. And instead we had this, well, you know what? Everything had already been put into databases and that got us 80% of the way there. And, you know, that remaining 20% that, you know, oh, we can, you know, continue to optimize on all these different fronts. They got optimized by different tools, right? Mm. The, the marketing people didn't say like, oh, we got to go to Cloudera for this. They're like, oh, no, no, no. There were a ton of specialized tools that hit them up. And every six months, your marketing team changes the tools that they use for their lead gen. So none of that money went to, you know, Cloudera or whatever. Mm. Um, and, you know, other, you know, the the developers, you know, they didn't pay for anything anyway. So they didn't they didn't really switch over to things. And or, you know, they just used the cloud infrastructure that was there and, and yeah. weren't really a, a target for that. And so there wasn't I don't think the market was there. Or the market diffused so rapidly that there weren't enough large places to sell. Yeah. I mean um, I mean I, I guess you have like autonomous vehicles and facial recognition, which is more like machine learning than big well, data. Yeah. But, but but like those distinctions, who cares? That wasn't part of like the hype of data is the new oil thing, right? It was all the same thing. But but even those things are like not that big of a deal. I don't know. Facial recognition is pretty good as far as like, you know, identifying photos I have in Google Photos. But yeah, it it seems like a uh a trough well, of disillusion. Well, one vendor wasn't there to capture it. That's that's kind of my point. Is it yeah, is it diffused yeah. like the idea of big data just spread faster than it could be captured by, you know, one company or, you know, three or four companies who could, you know, collect it all. Yeah. And it you, just maybe it, it was too fast. You know, in the one example, there's two examples that pop into my mind, speaking of executive dinners that 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 I've learned from there. One, you got preventative maintenance, which I think falls under the IoT category, where you can start to predict that like this train car, the doors are going to break. And then when the door bre- the doors break on the train car, that means the train stops uh, in the London tube and the whole system is now 30 minutes behind and blah, 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 money, right? Like, you know, so doing preventative maintenance is maybe like a big data thing. And then there's the, uh, the sort of like uh, John Deere tractor figuring out where to drive to optimize your crop growing. But then the negative side of that is like, did y'all ever read that Vice article? This is like perfect Cory Doctorow, like if he wasn't like now ostracized and canceled, like Stallman sort of thing, where it's like they've totally right. locked down the software. <laughs> they, they did that happen? <laughs> they, 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 well, remember, anyways, we don't need to get into those details. But like, you know, like like on, on these tractors, they lock down the software that you have to buy like some yeah. multi-thousand dollar kit to actually change it. And so there's a bunch of people who like pirate it from like eastern europe so they can actually modify and just sort of like replace a muffler or whatever so it's almost like like is that a net benefit uh you know to end users to introduce those things but i don't know i'm sort of like beating a dead horse here or like you know some crushed corn but it does seem like i'm i'm not sure if that whole big data thing really delivered but wait a minute on the big on the big data thing i think are we potentially conflating different things because i think you know like is uh is Elasticsearch in mm. MongoDB? Like, would we yes. consider in the broad category of big data? And I don't know. I don't even know how those vendors want to. But because I, I think one thing we could kind of like pull back and say, just being much more specific, say Hadoop, right, which is the basis of Cloudera and things like that. We could say potentially what's maybe being shown here is that specific technology, the market for Hadoop in that that world, is yeah. not as big as what people once thought. So to your point, there's just not enough generalized use cases or for whatever reason, it just isn't taking off 
Um, because I think we would say MongoDB and Elasticsearch, right? Those companies, um, and yeah, they yeah, face, yeah. you know, a significant competition from cloud providers, but they seem to be doing fine. I mean, they seem to be doing well within their respective markets. And uh, I should probably know this. I think I would broadly characterize them as like in in the big data space. So, so when yeah, you get yeah. in there, right, there are specific problems, some specific use cases that are doing well. And then, you know, they'll probably in a, you know, a couple of years, maybe something will be written about, well, the reason Hadoop never took off, at least in the same way these other things did, uh, is this. And who knows? So maybe another iteration yeah, yeah. of it. No, no, I, no, I think, I, I think you're right. I think, I think I'm conflating together two separate things, which are one, all of the dreams for the improvement of humanity around big data. Like, I feel like there were probably multiple economist, uh, like editions where there, there was like, you know, a special report on how big data was going to change our lives. Right. Like, and, and so like, I'm conflating that together with one of our favorite topics. It's really hard to make a lot of money off of free software. And, and like, (laughs) that is true. Remains true. So, so I think a lot of the Hadoop problem was like, so I could pay you for this or not pay you for this. And, and that, that's sort of like, that's, that's a, as they, as they say in that one movie, that's a tight spot to, to be in as far as a, uh, a vendor. I don't know. I, uh, you know, big data, apparently not a thing. <laughs> Still. <laughs> <laughs> I think maybe we'd say this way, Hadoop, not as big as we once thought it would be. That would yeah. be a good way to yeah. say it. Huh. And and then and then I think I think I think there's two more things we should touch upon uh, before we we go to uh, our our classic recommendations and that you can get stickers and that is the uh, the state of agile survey I think it's the 13th year came out now Collabnet traditionally has been putting this out I'm a little unclear about the, there's some PE firm that rolled them up I think was Zebia if if I'm correct I don't know I'm a little fuzzy. And so a bunch of other people. So they have a different name for the company that puts it out, but it's the the ongoing CollabNet thing. And, uh-huh. uh, you know, I have to admit, I haven't completely read uh, the survey, but there are a few things that sort of like fit into some existing narratives and uh, concerns that I have about the Agile world and uh, some positives as well. And one of them is that I think I think it is very encouraging to see that there are actually uh uh I, I don't know I don't remember what the the uh, demographics are but there's some there's some good reporting on the benefits of doing agile right like primar- sure. primarily that like it allows you to like figure out uh changing how the business operates which I think is um you know the three of us sort of like we're trained in the era of business IT alignment which we laughed at quite a bit. But what that means is like you use software to improve your business instead of like annoy them, <laughs> which, which I think is what it prime primarily does uh, as we complain about with our collaboration software. So there's some good confirmation of that, but like the primary thing that stood out, stood out to me in the survey, what I like to pay attention to is how widely practice continuous integration is and other agile practices like test-driven development. Oh, and so if that... you if you look at this, uh, continuous integration comes in. This is the highest I have ever seen uh, a surveyed group of people say they're doing continuous integration. 55%, very high. Like I used to track the... Um, so D-Zone used to do a bunch of um, surveys about uh, continuous delivery every year. And it would hover around like 30 or 40%. So we're doing all right there, right? All right. But see, I, I, my, my takeaway was a lot more pessimistic. I was like, really? You know, right, right, things, right, right, things right, like right. Coding standards at 58%. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah. Or, or, what or, kind of, you know, <laughs> so what kind of unwashed masses are these? This right, is horrible. Right, right. So, so the other way of looking at this one is like a 55% rating basically means to put it in an extreme way. Half of the time that you leave your house, you will get killed, right? Like that—that <laughs> that is that is what a fifty percent rating means. Always, whenever you see a percent, think about what percentage does that imply that I will die, right? And that—that that is sort of like how I think of percentages. So, like half of the market not doing well. Okay, forty-five percent of the market, whatever, right? So half of the market like not doing continuous integration after all this time is sort of like. 
I don't know what to fucking do with that. What are right? you guys doing there? Right, yeah, yeah. Like, like what? Like, are you literally like X copying code to production? Is that what you're doing? Right. Wait, wait, wait. We're, we're source control on this. <laughs> I, I don't know if they have that in there, but but the the very telling thing. So unit testing, sixty seven percent. That's fine. Unit testing is basically, as I used to joke, right clicking in your IDE. No problem. Yeah. Right. Uh, but then, but then test driven development, which it's very responsible that you, uh, you separate unit testing from test driven development, but test driven development is at like 30%. And it's just like, again, what are you doing? Right? Like it, it's, it's, it's not that big of a deal. It's proven to improve the way you're doing things. And it's, it's, uh, as Brandon used to say, one of my top three favorite, uh, phrases, the only thing that's shocking is that we're still shocked. And, uh, so it, it, in the, in that regard, it is, uh, it is, uh, slightly depressing, but you know, it's nice to have surveys and, and I think what's important, why this survey and, you know, the right scale one and the DevOps report are good is that they are annual surveys and like, you generally have the same group of people and methodology doing it year by year. So you can kind of see the momentum positive but they, or negative. They need to be uh, teaching on. more people or something. I mean, this I don't know. I come back to a much, I guess maybe I'm much more at peace with it. It's sort of like, this is, you know, we're using the Gardner uh, methodology. Like This is the plateau of productivity. Like this yeah, is yeah, probably yeah. Yeah. where we get to. Like, yeah, I don't think now we're 13 years in, like next year when they do the survey, it would be, it would be very shocking to me if the numbers sig- went up significantly or down, right? It's like, this is yeah, where we get yeah. to. And I think it just, status quo bias is incredibly strong it's just you know changing things and i'll be more sympathetic like there are probably people in places yeah yeah that aren't doing source control that aren't doing this that no they absolutely know we should be doing they know they're they're not doing it right and they have cannot change the status quo and there's this point where you're just like well i gotta get my job done and i'm just gonna you know i'm just gonna deploy i'm not gonna worry about i think that's a healthy response it's it's kind of the equivalent of like you should not be body shamed by the grocery store aisle magazines, <laughs> right? Like, like the, the image of, of your health and how you should be living your life and uh, how you should look should not be driven by unrealistic expectations. And in fact, uh, results like these can confirm that actually you are, uh, what's the prairie home companion thing? You're, uh, you know, above average. Everyone's above average. Yeah. yeah you're, what you're doing all right. There's some article though. I think it's always surprising. Like, out, let's take it outside of IT. Like, some of these surveys that do surveys on things that you would you just think would would have a super high agreement, like ninety plus percentile more. Uh, when they do them, I can't think of any good examples off the top of my head. That you'll be shocked at. Like, it's like, oh yeah, it's only like sixty percent. Like, getting six out of ten people to agree on anything mm. is a miracle, right? So even for things that you think are relatively uncontroversial, so you know, you you take an <laughs> agile and you take incorporations and you take in all the other things. It's like another way to look at this is like, wow, this is a miracle. In thirteen years, they've what? got something adopted by over half of the entire industry. What? Incredible job done. You yeah, know, yeah, what yeah. They really yeah. Need, what they really need is is year by year tracking. This is the 14th edition of this report. They, if they could show us the trend numbers over the years, that would make me feel better. You know, may, may, maybe if you show me everything up and to the right, yeah, I'll feel better about it. But when you tell me that you know, fifty five percent of people are are doing CI C, CI not CD, you know, they're they're doing CI. I'm like, well. Was that good or bad? It feels terrible to me because, you know, I deal with the 45% who aren't. And, you know, it's <laughs> – then that's that's why I started asking questions like, do they even have source control? And that's like that's like that one out of ten dentist who doesn't recommend brushing. You know, it's like, who doesn't have source control? And it's like, I found these people, right? So, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. You show, know, show me year over year and I'll feel better because yeah. right now this just – doesn't make me happy. Right, yeah. so I was just give a quick uh, a quick recommendation for people that want to hear like another side. You should go listen to uh, Accidental uh, Tech Podcast ATP. Marco Arment, he's the one of the founders. Or no, I think most widely known right now for building Overcast and some other stuff. But uh, he, I think, I think he uses source control, but like no unit testing, doesn't use any frameworks, pretty much writes everything his own. So like, when you hear him like outline his philosophy, you're like, 
this is the, then it gives you like a window into another world. And he's and by all means, he's 100. He's very successful. So it's working for right. him. But yeah, if yeah, you just yeah. want to hear like a different perspective, like a true lone wolf developer mentality, you're like sometimes I listen to that. And I'm like, wow, didn't realize that was still out there. But yeah, it works yeah. for him. He He's a he's yeah. a good he's a good um mirror world of enterprise software i haven't listened to him in a while but like pretty much all of his commentary on software is like got it got it if you work in an organization of five thousand or more people do the opposite of what he just said like like and <laughs> yes. it, it, which yes. which is totally cool like if you're a shop of one or three or five like sure you can use x copy no problem but like when you have to collaborate with thousands of people uh things get uh Things are different. Yes, yes. Well, also, you know, there's a few items we didn't have time to go over. It looks like Apple's finally going to move over to ARM stuff. I mean, I think they acquired a bunch of companies that do ARM chips and like, well, let, yeah, Matt, Matt Ray, should I give yes. a fuck about this? Like, is this is this not, anything? Not yet. That 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 okay. that's what's funny is there was this you know explosion of articles about you know this, and as far as I know, Apple has confirmed zero of this. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah. They're, they're, and, and you know and. and Everyone knows it's coming, yeah. uh, but man, there were a lot of articles and threads about you know, hey, what Apple's going to do, and it's like nobody knows what Apple's going to do. And and um, and, I, the, and, I, and, I, and I think historically, like I, as as we all did, uh, I don't know if if Brandon was using Max by this point, but but you know, I lived through the uh, the 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 risk or the power chip to Intel transition, and uh, it didn't mean jack shit to me. Right. Like, <laughs> like, like the only, yeah. the only time that some sort of Apple hardware or whatever mattered to me is I used to use this app called line in that would allow me to basically hear myself talking. It's a, a monitor. And sometime in the past year through, I don't know, whatever, some, some funky, like when they went from 32 to 64 bit, like the line in people didn't update it and it stopped working. And, uh, that was it. Like, like as far as yeah. like nothing else, like I don't really Sounds well, the only great. thing here, I think I'm pretty sure we're going to know the June 22nd seems to be like all intents and purpose. They're going to announce, quote unquote, the start of the transition because they need to let the developers know. So it would be surprising if we didn't know by then for mm. sure. But mm. I think for us, for the consumer here, we're just going to get one of two things. We're either going to get a lot longer battery life with our notebooks or we're going to get much faster chips. So, I mean, that it's just we sure as hell aren't going to get cheaper Macs. That that's not no, coming I was gonna down say, You could get cheaper Macs, but I, even I will let my mind go there. No, you're gonna get yeah. a Mac that's sold for nine ninety nine, just like the the current entry price of, uh, and you'll just have a longer battery or a faster chip, or maybe some yeah. other combination. But you, of you, you were gonna get that either way. You were gonna get faster, you know, faster, more powerful in a year, regardless of this ARM announcement. Well, but the I question. think I think what we will see. I don't think I think if they stayed with the Intel chips, they won't have as much option to make the battery longer, right? And it does seem yeah. like, at least at the moment, Intel, through its own problems, seems to have kind of hit its limit on, at least and, on the notebook consumer side, yeah, getting them yeah. a lot faster. So, and, and, and so it I, does maybe open up some faster, more efficient laptops for us. But I don't. Other than that, we will then, I'm sure, on this show, complain then about some piece of software that they didn't port that yeah, we wanted. Yeah. And, and, and it'll and be I, fine. I, I, it'll I guess, all work out. Like iOS runs on ARM, right? So yes. like, yeah. so like in, in theory, that. that means that you could run like, like uh, Mac OS and iOS apps on the same hardware or something, which, right. well, they've already whatever. got whatever. Yeah, 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 yeah. Right, right. I, I forget. What, what do the they call that? Stuff. Yeah, yeah. Which, which, you know, I use drafts on uh, oh, Mac yeah. OS okay. and iOS, I, and that's really nice, but... Whatever. Sounds great. So, you know, uh, um, you know, good luck to you and your people, as as they said in that <laughs> Kids in the Hall sketch a long time ago. Uh, that sounds good. So we've got all sorts of other, like, exciting things uh, that, that you can look at. If you go to the show notes, which will be at softwaredefinedtalk.com slash 239, because this is episode 239. You know, I was looking at my YouTube channel recently. Remember when we used to uh, do this in YouTube and we would post the videos? Those still only have 15 to 20 views each. So I think we made a excellent <laughs> strategic decision to not have video versions of the podcast. That uh, that worked out very well. So, Brandon, do we have any uh, listener feedback or anything we would like to tell people about the what's going on? 
Only thing I wanted to do, I just wanted to give a personal congratulations to Michael Neal for joining Costco. He's a longtime member of the Slack community, <laughs> and uh, he 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 said and he actually put it in there some personal news, and I legitimately caught me like I was like, oh, where's he going? And that was his personal news that he joined Costco. So Matt Ray, are you you're have you joined Costco down there in uh, Sydney? No, no, I have not. Matt Ray, I, this I, is unacceptable. You can't allow a listener. To beat you to the punch here. Listen, now we we might need to have we might need to have a partnership meeting, but I feel like maybe you could expense your Costco membership. That 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 might be okay. If you report regularly on like how Costco works in Australia, like do they have kangaroo meat there? A lot of Vegemite, like like what's going on? I went I went about once, about six months into moving down here. It took some photos. Listeners may remember that from uh-huh. four years ago, <laughs> but uh, uh, haven't been back. It, it wasn't convenient to get there. I don't even know if they had a membership right? requirement. This, yeah, it is disappointing. So, all right, well, that was the only uh, <laughs> yeah. thing. And I just wanted to let everyone know, still sending stickers out. Happy to do it. I've had the post office today for something else. And in fact, I'm out of international stickers. But if you want a SDT sticker, just send your poster address to stickers at softwaredefinedtalk.com. Be happy to send you a sticker or a couple stickers anywhere in the world. And uh, there's still some conferences going on. KubeCon is going to, I mean, they're online. It's uh, it's going to be August 17th to 20th. Now, I was going to go there in person. I I, I don't know what I'm going to do. I guess I'll watch some sessions. That, that'll be fun. Uh, but, you know, there's stuff happening. Uh, also, uh, you know, I put my, my collection of register columns, I put it together in a book and I host that at lean pub. And if you, I think I tweeted this in Twitter, in my Twitter account, but they have a sale going on right now where I think you can buy it for like $8 or something. If, uh, you're interested in a uh, discount for it, you should go buy it because I like money, even if it's small amounts of money. I, I appreciate that. Uh, but you can go check that out. I mean, I mean, if I don't say so myself. It's a great collection of writing. I I remember <laughs> typing it all in. It's uh, fantastic stuff. Good times. And uh, you know we mentioned the Slack channel several times. You should go join that. All you got to do is do is uh, go to softwaredefinedtalk.com, log into the Slack. I think I think one of the um, perhaps underappreciated aspects of the Slack channel is we have one thing we call the backlog, and not only us but many people dump links into there every day uh, that that's interesting. And that is actually the primary way that we put together the things that we're following. And uh, we don't cover everything there, but there's always a lot of uh, fascinating, interesting things there. So you should join our Slack just because it's great. And uh, some more good enjoyable. threads in there. Some good threads in there. Yes. Uh, so with that, Brandon, what do you have to recommend this week? Well, I'm I'm going very self-serving here. I'm just going to recommend uh, the recent podcast interview I did with Shannon Williams. He's uh, the chief revenue officer uh, over Good. at our uh, Rancher Labs. So, if you want to learn about Kubernetes as a service, you want to learn about a little bit of history, he gives us some. Uh, if you want to hear a recommendation on where to ski in North America, that that was in there. And then also for those who are uh, still familiar, Cloud.com. I get him to tell the story of who actually uh, decided to buy the the cloud.com URL and how much it costs and things like that. So that's, it's going back a little ways now, but you know, we knew some people that were involved in that. So it was interesting to get them on the record. It's a fun uh, podcast and it, it should be easy to find right now. You should be able, as soon as this f- finishes, just scroll back in your feed and uh, it should be there and download it and listen. And then of course, love to hear, we've been doing some more interviews, trying to see what people, um, who people want to hear from. So if you have uh, suggestions on people we should interview, send them to me. I always like them when they're from the listeners. They're always much more genuine, not from the long PR people. They write very long emails. It's very hard to read them all. But when someone just emails in, it's like, hey, you should talk to this person. It's like, oh, okay, that's a good idea. So love to get your feedback on it. So check that out. Yeah, I think I think I think we made a good move, like interleaving the interviews into the main thing, the main feed, because it is, uh, I don't know, they're good interviews. And it, and and, yeah. you know, it, it's sort of like uh, the weeds. Or that pot, you know, I start, I stopped listening to that one with, uh, uh, what's it called with, uh, with, with professor Galloway and, and they mm. just rant about stuff. It was just too much. Uh, but you know, you can always just skip it. It's fine, but you should check it out. It's, it's good to have more content, uh, rather than not enough. I think, I think I gave some faint praise there, which I did not intend. 
I think you, 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 the listeners, have an opportunity to uh, listen to some some good content in there that uh, mixes. Well, it up. And I think Cote, we should we should talk about. I think a couple of people have hit this in the Slack channel. I'm always interested in people do it, but I think most of the recent episodes we've been uh, bookmark chapter markers, right? In the episodes, yes. so um, I think both you and I we like using chapter markers uh, for podcasts that we we subscribe to because it's real easy to skip not that you would ever skip any of the subject matter in this show but no, uh no. it's kind of nice so uh i know the recent interviews i know a lot of the current episodes so, so we get it you're maybe busy you can look down and it won't offend us if you uh skip over a couple of the segments you're not interested in i won't be mad it's yeah, all in yeah. there for you. you you know and and to give some positive feedback uh is it positive feedback like like i read that comment and normally i would not spend the time to do that but I realized I was like, all right, people find that valuable. And so what I realized is that I could kind of skip around and generally find the topics in there and put chapters in. So uh, I've been trying to do that as well. Like, I appreciate chapter things. So uh, that is that is fun to you. So, uh, Matt Ray, what do you have to recommend this week? Uh, so one of the things that I kind of do over on the side is... Uh... Uh, mess around with Raspberry Pi and and uh, similar sorts of devices. Now I'm making a recommendation for something I don't have, but uh, if you go to touringpi.com, uh, they have a Raspberry Pi cluster um, card that uh, you can get these Raspberry Pi compute modules and plug them into it. It's kind of like the all-in-one way to get your Raspberry Pi cluster. Um, I don't have one, but uh, trying to come up with a reason to get one they're they're, they're pretty cool uh, so if you've been thinking about building a raspberry pi cluster check that out no raspberry cluster matt ray <laughs> you you used to have beowulf clusters in your closet and, and this is true you know this, this goes true. all the way back to the beginning of the episode i admire you for your ability to prioritize how you spend your time this is uh you you clear hey. I, I have a lot to learn from you I, I'm I'm asleep at 2 a.m. and and messing around with esoteric hardware. That's all I got to say. You're not you're not talking to people in Dublin. That's 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 what's going yeah. on there. Uh, well, you know, I think I've mentioned it, but I want to even if I've recommended, I want to re-recommend the uh, the Martin Beck series of like uh, true crime novels. Uh, and well, I don't know if it's true crime. It's false crime because it's fiction. Uh, but. You know, I, I think I think I went, Brandon and I discussed the Jack Reacher series and how, like, I think the, the, the first book of Jack Reacher, the first third of it, very exhilarating. And then you're like, I don't need to read a description of every single goddamn match he uses and, like, all of the stage direction about it. And, you know, the Martin Beck series, there's a little bit of that, but somehow the 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 husband and wife people who write it, man, they carve it back just precisely where you don't want to know more. So there is... Every now and then there's some commentary about getting a fridge, uh, a beer from the fridge and rowboats and stuff like that. But overall, it is uh, it's very relaxing. It's it's nice to read. It's it's uh, it's it's good. It's good uh, distraction. Now, another recommendation, which is an absurd recommendation, but I want to I want to uh, recommend a use for it, a way you can use it to, to kind of like make your life better is like uh, in Minecraft, a game I'm sure everyone is familiar with. I, uh, yes. So, so I went, you know what, when I woke up at 2am this morning, I had my, uh, three to 4am Singapore call or, or ANZ Singapore call. What I did after that, because I couldn't back, get back to sleep is like, oh, I'm going to go mine in Minecraft. Like I have no reason or anything. I'm going to get my iron pickaxe and just kind of like dig some holes and do things. And it's just like relaxing to just like sit there and do nothing in particular. So I think, I think if you, uh, if you need some reason to relax and you don't want to like use your brain and, and you know, you're not the kind of person who wants to watch like, you know, draining a goiter or whatever other people do. Like, it's just kind of a nice thing to, uh, who's doing that? Lots of people do that. Lots of people are into any sort of like fluid you have in your body that doesn't belong there. And there's a video of extracting it. Very popular, Matt Ray. This is, this is a thing. Uh, but, but my, my actual real recommendation is, um, the, uh, I've been using the solar dial on the Apple watch and the solar dial is like one of the new things and it's kind of complicated, overly complicated, but basically what it, it tells you is it has like an analog watch face, which you can put a digital readout in the middle, which I need. Cause I can't really read an analog clock, 
but it shows you on a 24 hour uh, circle when the various sunrises and, and sunsets are. And being in a country where the government recommends that your children take vitamins until the age of 10 because they don't get enough sunlight to generate vitamin D, I am very interested when the sun comes up and when the sun sets. So I really want to know when sun is around. So it's kind of fun to have that dial right on your watch and uh, see what the sun is uh, up to. So check that out if you've got an Apple Watch, the solar dial. It takes a little getting used to, but it's kind of fun. So with that, as always, this has been Software Defined Talk. As mentioned several times, if you want to get the show notes for this episode and peruse our other episodes, the excellent interviews, which mostly Brandon does, Matt has done, I think, some. I used to do some, but, you know, I got five kids to feed, so I'm a little busy. <laughs> you can go to softwaredefinedtalk.com and uh, check those out. Uh, you should join us in Slack. You can get stickers, so forth and so on. And with that, we'll see everyone next time. Bye-bye. Bye. You got it, you got it, you got it, you got it, but you got it.